now recording. All right. Going to apologize in advance for any lower quality troiking and by virtue of that lower quality yatiroing. It is definitely no a day. The light of Yatiru is slightly dimmed through the subsequent event. Oh, that makes no difference. He's still shining like a fucking lantern. It's horrible. The horrible irony. The freaking, like, creature from the land without light is a fucking light bulb. But also shadows and also messy. All right, so unless we left, you were headed towards the village, correct? Yep. Ichiru was snaking his way through the air along to it and paused briefly. He had an overwhelming sense that something had just happened back on the boat that he should care greatly about. But... Trying to focus on what's going on ahead, he pushes past his ominous sense of mortals have done screwed up. And makes his way towards the village perimeter, traveling through the strangely lit landscape as it goes into the dull evening, with tiny pinpoints of light decorating the sky from our faithful orcish glider scout. The village itself uh, has lights kind of in a lot of the windows. Uh, and you also notice that several of the braziers have been lit kind of around different places, fire pits around the uh, village itself. It, it looks, I mean, if you didn't know there weren't very many or no people in the village, you would swear it's a fully, you know, evening time village. Uh, you even smell like some stew or something being cooked from somewhere in the distance. Yatiru blinks at this as his tongue flicks the scent from the air. It is strange. Narrowing his eyes, he presses onwards and approaches the first of the houses nearest. Going, just sort of gliding over its roof and then twisting around to peer to one of the windows from above and to the right where few would actually look. Inside, you see what appears to be a few of the guardians uh, in imitation of what you would consider a human activity. Uh, they are around a table, although they are not eating anything. There is a fully cooked meal uh, set around the table, and they are gesticulating with their arms, although they are not actually saying anything with their mouths. As Yatiru is used to not saying things himself with his mouth, he is not troubled by this. He lightly presses the glass and sees if he can get any vibrations from the air. If these spirits are communicating audibly or just mind to mind. They appear to be just mind to mind right now. There's no no f waves of energy coming around them from like that would indicate some type of sound. He backs away from the window and presses onwards to further into the village carefully spiraling inwards from along its perimeter. As he does so, he glances up to the northwest, checking on the strange church-like structure. It doesn't match anything that he's seen from the architecture of Ko, but mortal religious places tend to be similar in their style of construction, so 
He has a hint of this. It's almost hard to notice at first, uh, looking through the different, as there's several different major campfires lit there, but there are some stained glass windows on certain parts of the church, and there's definitely light emanating through the stained glass windows at somewhat odd angles. His curiosity is piqued, but deciding to try to continue into the village until he loses his cover, he will continue through looking for structures that are not house-like in construction. His goal is to find some place where there may be books or records. So he is looking for a town hall. He has no particular idea of what would distinguish one, however. There are several buildings as you kind of spiral in around that seem definitely seem different than the houses that are about, you know, the outside of the village seems very house-like. Um, the structures are all seem the same and the few windows that you peek in seem similar. There's a couple odd outlier buildings on the outside, but they don't seem too different from the houses and nothing too different seems to be happening in them. One of them appears to be just kind of like a little warehouse style thing with nobody in it currently. And the other one, appears to be some type of gathering place, maybe some type of like medical facility for those who are, you know, segmenting or quarantining themselves. Uh, but the main buildings in the center of the village, they seem to have the most appeal. They've got uh, longer, bigger structures. Um, there are guardians actively coming in and out of them. And you would guess that and the, there's a big tree in the town center and it, it's dead now. It probably wasn't dead even as recent as a few months ago, but the bark is almost like a blasted color, like like some type of major magic. Something went off up against the tree and now the tree is kind of glowing and iridescent blue, um, almost dancing uh, colors over all of the limbs and branches um, as you kind of look at it and you you realize it's probably outside the, the visible spectrum for most creatures or humans, but you can definitely tell that whatever it is is still active on that tree. Before going anywhere near that, Itiru is actually going to twist about in a U-turn and head towards the medical hut. This would be, as he feels, entirely useless to the spirits pantomiming things, but it would be a place where that he is familiar with from his trade, and he feels that if there are any records that he can get to that are not in patrolled areas, this would be it. All right. Uh, as you approach, you see that it has a couple, you know, windows, a couple levels. Uh, it's got kind of like a peaked roof and everything. So there, there's a couple of high windows if you want to look high in, or you could just look at ground level. There's only one entrance in, one entrance out. It's not that big of a building. You could probably fit. You're probably guessing five or six cots in there based on what you would, you know, the size of it. Um, How do you want to approach this? Similar to before, inspecting the windows. And I would like to do an arcane check as I do so to see if I notice anything unusual about, like, emanating from the building. Okay, and if you could also give me a stealth roll on this one. What stealth? (laughs) Says <laughs> a light bulb. <laughs> All right, so which do you want first? I can do your arcane first, so that's fine. Yes, I would like to learn first before blowing my cover spectacularly. 
<laughs> I would guess it's probably average difficulty. Just do arcane check. Three successes, four advantages. While there's I'm vibing no, with this. Yeah, while there's no spirit energy on the building itself, there's definitely remnants of magic. Um, you would know from your time, obviously, being a healer, that this is probably magics related to some things that the uh, humans and other species do uh, around healing. Um, so there's there are some wars of cleaning and that sort of thing that attempt to prevent infections and that sort of thing from just basically basic germination prevention and that sort of thing, as well as just, um, you would say some type of calming, uh, thing as well. Um, some type of magic that just kind of calms the mood, soothes irritable or scared individuals and just trying to, it doesn't like destroy it or it just kind of dampens it slightly. This is a new thing to Itiru, so with his advantages, he would like to try to learn it. Okay, yep. Yeah, it, it takes you some time, but you're able to kind of pick out the threads of magic, and it it's very much a utility-type spell where it just kind of... Again, it's not destroying, it's just it's just a basic dampening of of energy. Hmm. Have to see if that's applicable to a whole range of emotions or just panic and fear. It's going to be experimental for later. All right, let's get your stealth roll out of the way. Woo! Anti-woo, let's go! Uh, it'll be a hard difficulty, three purple. Two failures and a threat, as expected. <laughs> um, you peek into the top window, you know, just to see, as you have done on all the other buildings without issue. Um, and you notice that several of the cots are occupied. Um, one of them is occupied with an elf. One of them is occupied with a dwarf. And... There is a small orc child in the third, and it is the orc child who is happening to be staring up, twiddling the, her thumbs as she spots you in the window. Hmm. Tiru pauses for a moment. Before proceeding further, he is going to probably want to run a check out of surroundings. This is not expected. This is new. It is information that he craves. All right, so vigilance, perception, what do you want here? Uh, what are you trying to ascertain exactly? Sorry. If he has been noticed by anything else in the village before going into this hut or attempting ah. to go into this hut. Vigilance, then, please. All right. Say average difficulty. 
Two successes, one advantage. The IC. You would swear something was watching you for just a second, like one of the spirit guardians stopped for a second, but then it continued along its way without any incident. And as you kind of wait for a moment longer, nothing seems, nobody's, no alarms are raised, no additional activity is spotted in the village. So it was probably something else. Pantomiming a sigh, Tiru will then test the air for a moment and then simply teleport into the building, not trusting the doorway. Are you teleporting in high or low? High. All right. Because they, they would be caring about things coming in from below. So he's operating on the logic that the guardians of this place, the spirit constructs, are caring mostly about mortal invaders rather than miscellaneous spirits. Fair enough. Alright, you teleport into the high, into the yurt-like structure, uh, high up into the vaulted ceiling, uh, and the little girl eeps as you kind of pop into existence, and she points. Uh, She doesn't seem, she's not vocalizing very much, like it was almost sub- subsonic, uh, her eep. Uh, but she is now wide-eyed in terror and pointing up at you. Much like with the halfling, Tiru will spiral down, but keep it a fair distance away rather than getting up in her face until he is nearly level with her on the ground. His body sprawled out snake-like behind him, and he attempts to Force calm upon her, using that dampened energy from before. No, I want to try actually casting that. All right, go ahead and make me a roll of magic. Would this fall more into Arcana or Divine? Because if it's in Healer Land, it might be in Divine. I think you could learn to cast it in Divine. I think for the first couple tries, you'd probably run it in Arcana because it, that's how it was originally cast. Got it. Narain, what is the difficulty of trying to calm small children? I imagine this is not easy. <laughs> I would say it is a hard three purple. And I think you get a boost die because uh, you already have the effect of the house magic in it. And I would just put a black die in there because of your threat previously. So make a nice, fun, big roll. Well, he also naturally has the threatening trait, which would affect probably small children and animals. So That is true. I hope you appreciate that. I only put that on his character sheet for flavor. (laughs) All right. Two successes, zero advantages. All right. Um, so you begin to cast the magic, and you can see it in a, it kind of layers upon her. She kind of just, her hand kind of drops from, you know, just back to her side, and she just kind of cuddles into her blanket and kind of watches you warily. Tara will sort of like adjust his posture to something that's more like a his pantomiming impression of a friendly adult addressing a child. He's seen this from the childlike perspective, or at least sensed it from that, from his time as a fox, but he has not witnessed it really since he has been 
like freed from that binding. So it's not really acting, it's just an attempt. Hello. She startles once again to hear your vo- to hear a voice um, from you. Uh, and then once she kind of recovers her wits, she looks over at the others two that are sleeping. And she slowly pulls out a, what looks like to be a, a glass a cylinder and a, a tuning fork. And she puts it up to her neck and kind of vibrates it slowly around and around the glass until an approximation of the word hello comes out as she vocalizes with what she has. Hmm. I'd like to do a medical check. This is an immediate, like, red flag right there. Yep, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to go with just standard medicine. This is something I definitely would not have seen before, so I don't expect it to be too easy. Yeah, I'd say it's probably a hard check then. Um for sure. Two successes, one advantage. As she lowers the uh, glass cylinder from her neck and the tuning fork, you see that there is an incision uh, partially healed um, right around her trachea area. Uh, and as you kind of perceive... Um, you know, what could cause such a thing. Uh, you notice that she has several uh, slashes in the kind of a pattern of three long fingers kind of going from about her ear all the way down past her cloak into somewhere into her chest area. Uh, you guess that something has greatly damaged or completely destroyed her vocal cords. Uh, so probably some type of beast based on the type of scratch uh, and the depth of it, although it looks to be probably a- an old wound. This is not a recent wound. Yeah, this is not something that he can just one-off and fix. Right. Which actually does visibly trouble him a bit. His tail twitches and his eyes widen ever so slightly before he regains his composure. I'm here to... Trying to find what is going on, yes, I'm observing, and uh, you are here. Could you help me? She tilts her head to one side, kind of over to the right, towards her right shoulder, and kind of blinks at you. Tiru will mimic tilting his head to the same side. Then he will continue his pulsing of the air speech. He is very careful not to open his jaws. He does not want to dial the terror to 11. My name is uh, Yetiro. I have come here from outside, yes? She looks at you and kind of mimics a bubble and points to outside the bubble. Yetiro gives a nod. She stops and contemplates for a moment, and then her eyes kind of grow wide at the thought of that. Um, and she puts the glass chamber back up to her neck, hits the tuning fork again, and you hear the kind of the croaked word, people, 
out uh, from her in uh, a questioning tone. I have brought a few people, and I have had aiding me in my uh, search here. They are well away to the lake at this time, but we are currently camped up here. There is a a boat there. It is well, it's nice, but it uh, leaks tree sap. It is a strange ship, yes. She shakes her head up and down, like yes, like that sounds very weird. How many uh, of, I guess, the non, not like them? He gestures broadly outside. How many that there are not constructs left? Um, she holds up her first set of hands and you, as she kind of uh, reveals her other hand fully you notice she actually is missing two fingers on one hand so she shows you seven three times essentially alright I actually can do something about those missing fingers that's not nearly the same complexity as trying to restore missing vocal cords so I would like to attempt to heal that Okay. All right. Would that be on hand wave levels or is that on roll levels? I think that's definitely roll levels. If for nothing else, then attempting to make sure she doesn't freak out as she starts sprouting new fingers. A fair point. What did you do? Nothing yet. I'm trying to give her some fingers back so she can enjoy being a child with ten fingers again. Traumatizing children, I see. Silent icicle. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, what difficulty do we have here? Hard or just average? or? I think it's hard because you're healing essentially a critical wound. Three successes, one advantage. So before Yatiru immediately does this, he will preface it with your hand. I, I can do something about this, yes? Uh, one moment. Nas, having forewarned her a bit, drifts a little bit closer and just lightly nudges her hand. And then applies the healing magic. Similar to before with the man missing his leg, she would probably regain fingers of a lighter green complexion for a moment. They have not yet been exposed to the sun and adjusted. Her eyes kind of grow wide at the fingers, and then she starts testing them gingerly to see if they're real, you know, and then you you see tears start to well in her eyes. Yatiru, like, tilts his head and, like, closes his eyes and one of those kind of, like, anime-esque smiles. It's, like, the best he can do without, like, while keeping his chin down and mouth out of view. It, it would take... It would be much more difficult to heal the rest of you. That would take time, but I can give you your fingers back. Nah. Hopefully that will help. From the amount of people 
you have mentioned, we may be able to get them out of here. I do not believe it is worth staying in this village. She kind of wipes her eyes a little bit, you know, and kind of blows her nose and then kind of nods towards you and then looks over at the other two or the other sick beds. But before we can decide on getting them away, we, I need to know if what is wrong with them and if they are able to move. She um, kind of slides out of the bed. She's only, well, she's out of her bed. She's only a couple feet tall, about three and a half feet tall currently. And she kind of leads you and kind of motions you over towards uh, a small journal type thing that's sitting on one of the desks and kind of pulls it open and flips to you one of the most recent pages and kind of points her fingers at it. Thank you. This is what I was looking for when I came here to this. Let us see. It appears to be some notes uh, written in common script that um, are referencing some type of weird of. Affliction that started happening after the phase, the phasing of they didn't know what it was, but essentially you read between the lines and it's whatever the vortex and the planar shifts was doing. This that purple barrier, whatever that was erected, um, seems to have almost like a, a, a severe sunburn type effect on people, but it does more than just gives you a sunburn. Like it, it actually like causes your breathing to become very shallow, and it's almost like. Um, it's almost like uh, going into a coma, as it were, from the exposure to that for a long period of time. Hmm. Does it say, seem to suggest that it's tied to light being filtered through the bubble above? That's what they are opposing, yes. Recalling his own experience of leading the expedition through and encountering the horrifying slime upon the muffins... Tiru immediately accepts the implications of this. Alright. So if it is only they who are afflicted, he gestures to the others in the room, I may be able to restore them enough to move for now. But then you, you will have to be sneaky to get their everybody out, Yes. She nods her head up and down rapidly. It seems the constructs outside want to mimic the actions of everyone as it was before. This means they may also mimic the sleep, yes? She shrugs, like, maybe. Tiru, like, seems to consider for a moment. It might work. I... We are probably going to cause a distraction with our antics. Most the party of adventurers I am leading are not subtle, and the spirit constructs here will not take kindly to them, yes? They will be good distraction. She nods up and down rapidly. Alright, so... What I will need you to do with the other villagers after we have restored your friends here and you are given the chance to explain to them, we'll need to lead them to our boat 
there will be enough room to get everybody out. She points towards the lake and kind of does a, a swooping motion with her hand, and then um, she starts flashing the the twenty one number again. Tiru nods. We have room for twenty one. Yes, it won't be comfortable, but for a short time it will be possible. She nods up and down, and then she flashes 21 again, and then she kind of makes her hand look like a deep, swooping motion. Hmm. All right, is there a role I can do to better interpret this? So I feel like Yatira is missing something. Yep, I think he is not used to the concept of charades. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's a good thing to learn. Yeah, I think you could definitely roll. Um, I mean, if you want to, that could be a knowledge roll, you know, something like that. Um, skullduggery, you know, that's often something that's associated with skullduggery. Um, yeah, he's not really a skullduggery person. It's like, I'd love to bullshit discipline on this one, just for sheer willpower here. Okay, fine. Hell yeah, let's see. The patience to deal with Kuhn in the library will be sufficient for the patience of learning charades. Alright, so what is the challenge here? Um, I'm gonna say it's probably I mean, it's probably somewhat daunting. I mean, you're trying to learn how this kid talks and speaks, and she's obviously moving very quickly, so I'd I'd say it's daunting. Alright, four of the purples. Two successes, one threat, and a triumph. Wow. Um, You find out pretty quickly that she has some rudimentary form of sign language that she um, ascribes to. And then she also inflects it with letters to help quickly for those who, who don't know all of her signs. So she might start with like D for deep. Uh, and as you kind of watch her kind of repeat herself a few times. It's very obvious she has done this quite a few times. Uh, she goes D for deep and then M for mine and then P for people. And, you know, she, as she kind of mimics the, the different things going on and you pretty quickly ascertain that the other people are in the mine. All right. With his triumph, Yutiru is going to actually like communicate to her. Like, he's going to start trying to communicate to her back in that and get her to go through the entire vocabulary so that they could at least have a semi-fluent conversation. Rather than him just dictating to her and her just trying. Yep, she she's able to kind of walk you through her basic alphabet and semaphores, as it were. Tiru feels particularly self-conscious as this. He doesn't quite have the same number of digits on his claws as she does on her fingers. And missing that extra set of digits at the very end of the fingers gives him the impression that he is possibly coming across in almost like uh, the babble of an excited child in return. But ultimately, he gets the hang of this. 
We all have to go into the mine to begin with. Uh, all right. I do not know if we will be able to rescue everyone in there, but we will. I will make sure that we try. However, you can t help out the people here and yourself, which is a start, yes? She nods. And tells see. you if you can get them up, basically, and sign. I will see what I can do about this. And with that, Yatiru will then go, like, gingerly take the book from her, if she is still holding it. And he'll start scrolling through the pages quickly, trying to gather what information he can from it. He also looks around for signs in the area of what may have been attempted beforehand to get a grasp of where he should be directing his healing magic to for the best effect of getting these people triaged and back on their feet. He's not looking to perform a miracle here. He has to regain his energy before continuing with the party, but if he can get them able to follow this girl and to possibly sneak all the way to the lake and past the trees on the shoreline, then it should be good. The doctor's notes <clears throat> are very thorough and very precise. Um, although towards the end, you can see the doctor was also suffering through some of the effects. And so the handwriting gets more shaky and jarring as it goes along. At first, um, you know, basic things were tried, some basic ointments and that sort of thing. But once the first few people started falling into the comas, uh, things got more desperate and you could see like the, the elongation of the letters and such as the attempt to scrawl becomes more difficult and the doctor, him or herself, uh, also started suffering from the ailments. Uh, they tried like full skin creams and uh, they tried like different sorts of teas and such to try to like clear out the system. Um, but nothing they really did seemed to work. Uh, the only the only glimmer of, of any success that they really had was um, basically putting somebody in a cold bath uh, for a while, uh, and that seemed to reinvigorate them. But that's not too surprising considering you throw somebody in cold water, and you've seen what it does to people. Yeah, his hero can imagine based on the antics of his companions and the ill-fated shower aboard the ship. So, he quietly pockets the book and then glances about at the figures on the beds to see if one of them may be the doctor in question. If he ever got that lucky. Uh... Neither of them appear appeared to wear the garb, and obviously, without the garb, it's, it's kind of hard to know. Hmm. Tirudan just takes a guess. He goes to one of them and considers how to accent his healing magic to possibly reach through. Drawing back on his experience of dealing with the journey into Alistair's mind. He considers how to, rather than journey into the mind, pull the mind back to the present and possibly pull these people out of the coma. So he will approach the first subject and 
I guess, attempt a divine healing spell with a little bit of frost accented to it. All right. It's possible Revive Incapacitated would outright apply here as an effect, but I'm going to go with Narrative Subtlety rather than just slapping that in it. Okay, alright. So, what is our challenge here for Subject Alpha? Um, I feel like it's a daunting daunting check. It's, there's, there's a lot of complexity with this. And you can get a boost die for your experience with... Uh, Killing Chukorg from the, the whatever stuff it was. Alright, before he starts, he also will turn back to the girl and ask for her help. He just needs her to hold his hand. She reaches out her hand slowly. Shiru gently takes it in a foreclaw and would like to gain a second boost die from this, from the is like back-to-back synergy of being next to somebody while trying to cast. Okay. Basically, he's using her what emotional radiance he can from her to amplify his spell further. Sure. Alright, will the power of friendship overcome the power of comas? Let's find out. Two successes and one advantage. Woo! Just barely. Um, the person's eyes begin to flutter open as he kind of begins to wake. Um, you can see it, it begins to cough a little bit, and you can see a slime just kind of drool out of his one corner of his mouth. It's a very thick, mucus-like fluid that just starts to dribble down from one corner of his mouth. Uh, and a very weakened, but definitely awake uh, individual looks up at you in surprise and then kind of sputters and coughs out some more of the fluid from their lungs, uh, kind of rushing over the side of the bed. Not yet. Get it out of your system, yes? Do not worry about the mess. In a very hoarse voice, uh, person, <coughs> who are you? I am a visitor. I have come to this village to investigate, and thanks to my friend here, I may have found the means of getting you and your fellow survivors back to the realm of the living, yes? As he continues to retch and kind of clear his lungs over the side, he looks over and sees the girl, uh, Nadia, and she re- kind of reaches up and gives him a hug around the neck, temporarily leaving your side, and then looks very pleased as she returns to stand next to you. Zero gives another one of those, like, squint-eye, tilted-head anime, like, imitation happy gestures. As he has decided that will be appropriate for now for conveying that since he can't just simply radiate the emotion at them. No. Now I will take care of the others, since I now know what to do. And 
once you are already, Nadia here will be helping you to leave. After looking over the village, if you and the others are, are all right with it, I believe it is best to leave this place. It's unknown what level of corruption it may have from the planar distortion, the bubble around it that has made the sky strange in color, yes? Yeah, yes, I agree. We have a uh, flying ship that we had settled on the lake bed over to the northeast. Well, that is where you and the others will need to make for when there's an opportunity to speak past the, sneak past the uh, spirit constructs, yes? A, f- a flying boat? <laughs> One of the wonderful ideas from my homeland there. Or I guess more accurately from the homeland of those I travel with, but... I believe we have enough room to get everyone who has survived this ordeal out. And we will be leaving as soon as we investigate the mine and make an escape from there. So that is is ideal for you and Nadia and all of the others to make your way there before we leave, yes? (coughs) Yes, yes, yes. Good. Now, when you recover, I will take care of the others here and then see what can be done, for I have a few more things to check before returning to my companions. And I fear I will possibly raise the alarms while doing so. If that is the case, I would ask that you remain low and wait for the searchers to go away before making the escape, yes? Understood. Of that... Yichiru will go around and, if it's allowed, simply heal the others in the similar fashion as before. Yep, there's only one other person in here, but you can definitely just repeat cast that. I thought there were like five people in total in the yurt, so that's why I'm checking. Uh, There are five beds, but there's only three three of them are occupied. Okay. That's still something. A little less than he hoped for, but it's definitely progress. So... After getting the other lucky soul, or unlucky soul, depending on how you view it, pulled out of their coma and restored back, he will then check things once more, and then, with a few words of encouragement and a farewell, he will teleport out and then continue his general search. He's going to make a long circuit away from the village and then return at another angle to ensure that he does not draw attention to the medical yurt. All right. Continues to be quiet. Uh, You see several of the lights starting to go out in the houses as you make your way around. But the main four buildings seem to be still well lit. Yatiru looks for the bell. You notice the bell. It's been attached to this blasted mare. There's like a little bell free on top of it. Um, not currently pictured, but just on top of that is a is a, a fashioned bell. It looks to be somewhat recent, um, based on the it's a different form of construction and different style of wood than the rest of the the construction. So it's definitely more recent. But it is big. It's brass, and it's just sitting on top. And there is a guardian with a gong 
uh, rope, basically just sitting next to it. Hitiru makes note of this after a slight pang of disappointment and realizing he cannot directly interfere with the bell itself. And after looking at the buildings in the center one last time to observe each of them and try to figure out if any of them would be the town hall, he would then probably continue back out of the village towards the church. Your best guess, based on architecture and what you know of said things, the Blasted Mare would be your first choice. Tiny Tailors would probably be your second choice. Hmm. Chiru makes note of this, but decides to save it for if he alerts and has to deal with the locals in a more direct and vocal fashion. So, after seeing his intended targets, he was a little sigh at missing out, of, eh, missing out on it, and then would teleport away to the perimeter and then start winding his way over to the church area, keeping a fair distance from the light of the bonfires. All right, give me a vigilance roll, please, at average difficulty. Is everybody still conscious? I feel bad about doing so much searching. <laughs> Yeah, we're listening. Intently. Marius joined us in the middle there, and there wasn't much to say, but uh, in case you were wondering, yeah, we're we're doing the sneaky thing now. We weren't sure when you were showing up. The roll was three successes, two advantages. All right. Um, You notice as you're kind of sneaking your way up around the church that the the light in, from inside seems to be coming in strong uh, flashes, essentially. Uh, it definitely seems to be changing angles and heights. Um, and, it, you know, it's almost haphazard. Like, all of a sudden, you'll see a big flash, and it'll be, you know, probably like 13 degrees below the window. Then it's almost level to the, you know, popping out the window. Then it's way below the window. So... It's coming out in all different places outside the stained glass. And you also notice that all of the windows on the main level of the church itself have all been either covered or boarded up uh, so that no light can escape from there. So the only light that's escaping from inside the church is out the main stained glass windows. Hmm. Tiro decides to chance this. He will close his eyes and use his other senses to see through, so he will avoid radiating light, at least from his head, back through there. And after checking to make sure the coast is clear, he will teleport over to the window quickly and attempt to peer through it with his senses before retreating. A... um incredibly strong spirit presence as soon as you blink almost to the window and it, it like locks and freezes on the other side of the glass and just as you can you can sense a very powerful spirit just kind of hovering at your level 
on the other side, although it cannot see you or has has not made an attempt to break out to, you know, see you or anything. Now, Yatiru's vision without his eyes is almost the same as seeing the world with his eyes, with the exception yeah. of missing out on the wonder of color. So, would he be able to make any details out, or is the stained glass obscuring it too much? The glass does obscure it some, but, I mean, the size of the spirit, you would guess, is probably at least half the length of the church building. Like, it is a massive and powerful spirit that is currently in here. And you can also see that down towards the, the ground, there are a couple couple guardians, although they have not paid any attention to you. And then um, there are a lot of like overturned things inside the main hall of the church. Just all sorts of overturned benches and side alcoves and that sort of thing. Uh, you would guess the spirit has been taking somewhat of a corporeal form and like smashing into things. All right, before Yatiru leaves, he would check to see if it feels like the Spirit Guardians or if it feels different. Okay, uh, why don't you give me... Why don't you give me a Vigilance? Vigilance rolls keep on rolling. It's probably going to be average difficulty. One success, one advantage. So you're specifically like trying to suss out the people below? Suss out this main spirit. Okay. It does not uh, resonate in the same way that the spirit guardians do. Uh, it seems to be much bigger, uh, much freer, much more powerful uh, than any of the spirit guardians you've encountered thus far. Uh, it resonates at a different frequency. Uh, yeah, what else would you like to know? I guess just simply if it's like of the Raxin or not. Ah, you would not say it is of the Raxin, no. Okay, that that's literally all he cares about. So he is now going to teleport back to the other side away from the bottom. And then he is going to go on to his primary mission of going towards the cave. Having exhausted his distractions. <laughs> it takes you a few minutes to snake around the mountain up to find the path to the cave. Uh, but once you do, you see that outside the cave is a four, four spirit guardian guard kind of outpost. Two on each flank, each side of the mine's entrance. There is a large quantity of stacked wood and pallets just kind of outside um, and you can see that there are some sort of uh, bottled, some type of material that is stacked on so on top of some of the pallets. It's about the size of a vase, 13 to 14 inches high. It's um, pretty simple with a stopper on top of it, uh, cork stopper basically. But it, there seems to be quite a few of these bottles around the Spirit Guardians uh, just on some of the pallets. All right, Yatiru is not going to go full secret agent stealth through here because he knows how low his stealth rolls are. And instead, he is going to just 
visibly approached him. A calm and reasonable fashion. Rather than just going at his, like, crossbow bolt speed, he is going to sort of wander towards them. At first, uh, they have no reaction. And then um, after a few moments of you approaching them, you see them cognitively switch and they start using subsonic vocalization similar to how you do. Greetings. You appear to be in need of a recharge. Not I am. May I pass through and... I may not be able to recharge fully, but I would like to try. May I pass through? Hmm. You are not scheduled to recharge. All the charging ports are currently full. That is unfortunate, for I am of priority, yes? Do you know who I am? We do not know who you are. I am Zero. They kind of tilt, looking back and forth at each other for a moment, and look back at you. You are Zero? Yes. And you can see that they're they're trying to process for a moment, and then the vocalizations come back. We are not aware of Zero. I would not imagine not. Why would you need to be aware of the uh, original when you are aware of yourselves as the first batch, yes? Uh, what kind of role do you want to make me for this? He's trying to be an authority figure. I'm going to say it's coercion. Okay. He's trying to force their will and be imperious about this. But first, he is trying to be a bit more subtle, but based on their reactions, he's probably going to dial it up to 11, so we'll see. All right. They are not aware of any zero, obviously, as they have mentioned, so they are quite suspicious by their nature. Uh, I would say probably two purple and a red. That's fair. And he expects them to not know based on the testimony of Ferd. They are clearly compartmentalized. Zero successes, six frickin' advantages. How the hell does that even work? All right, well, that's off into, like, RP Flavor Town, so take it away. They uh, seem unconvinced uh, of the Zero. Obviously, as you have mentioned, they um, think they are probably the first batch, and so you, you kind of that kind of plays in their mind a little bit. So they don't immediately raise an alarm or anything like that. They don't move to intercept you or do anything like that. They just they stop and are kind of thinking about it for a minute. And then they start to, you know, kind of pepper you with a few questions. Um, you are the original? I am the prototype, yes. That binding does not seem like our binding. It would not be. This is the binding that snared me from the wild, yes? You were snared? Yes. 
I had a different existence before I was given purpose, yes? This uh, visually disturbs a few of them. Yatiru plays on that. Surely you have not considered... How do you consider that spirit start, yes? Where do we come from? Of course. It is a question that many spirits ask themselves. Ah. But if you think about how long you have been serving, what about the time between before then and the beginning of time, yes? Yes. It is a long interval to be, yes? Yes. And like myself, you all are from that interval. Uh, they kind of, some, you know, to, a couple of them kind of shake their heads a little bit. Some, yes. Some are newer. Itiru nods. I understand. I am abyssal. I am original, yes. Of darkness before the lights, yes. Hmm. This is new. That's why I was selected to be a prototype, yes? Does it make sense? It makes some sense. Which it's... master do you serve? I serve... My service has... It depends on how you go about this. Let me ask you this question. Would you consider yourselves as serving your initial creators? Or would you consider no. yourselves as serving only Alistair, yes? Yes, our goal is to serve Alistair now. Would your service be considered entirely changed, or do you still have loyalty to the original, yes? No? His orders were complete. Serve Alistair. So serve Alistair completely, we will. I see. In my current task, I also serve Alistair, but I serve to observe, yes, not to take, not to interfere, to observe, to know. For it is not just Alistair, but I must also serve the originals, yes? This must place great strain on you. It does. And only a spirit as powerful as myself who you see as needing a recharge, can handle strain like that, yes? This would make sense. And so I ask you, as prototype, as zero, as like you, to allow me to go in there to see these charging points that you have offered of me, and to make sure all is well in the mine, yes? They look back and forth at each other for a moment, and then in a somewhat compromising manner, uh, or a compromising attitude, one of them steps forward, I shall summon one for you, and they will make the decision. But for now, our, inf the, our interests may not yet be aligned. That is understandable. It is difficult for any interests to truly be in aligned, Yes. We are all arcs of interest, and where we intersect, 
That is our purpose. It is our mission, and that is our unity, yes? Yes, that is well put. And one of them kind of turns and starts heading and floating into the mine. The other three stand guard outs continue to stand guard outside. All right. If you want to do like a time skip back to everybody on the boat, this would probably be the time for it. All right. I feel that's appropriate to make use since we've already monopolized over an hour of the session. <laughs> God, sorry, everyone. The trees. You're finishing ten minutes earlier than we thought you would. Congrats. Well, it's not really finished. It's an interval. I, I was I'm... wanting to see where this, uh, whether you got, whether or not you got to recharge. Now, what are you well, doing? Is, oh, there's a second cave. Well, that's the actual mine. That's where our objective is. To recap everything I've done, I took Yatiru around to gaze at the village, discovered that the spirit constructs are, for some bizarro freaking reason, acting out the antics of townsfolk, going as far as to make dinner, sit at the dinner table, and have possible conversations about anything. Who the hell knows, because they weren't talking about it out loud. He... I'm pretty sure Alistair enslaved the townsfolk into his constructs, and they're just uh, lingering side effects of their lost souls. Trying to continue on. Except spirits don't have souls. You you pointed this out yourself. All right, now you know Chuk- you hurt my feelings with it. It was real. Just because Chukork doesn't believe they don't have souls doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. While this is going on, but. The setting we will find everybody back on the boat with is basically the goats and the abomination are licking Chukork free from the ice block, which has been cast upon him by Elric. While it was intended for Sybil, four, Sybil had slain or freed, depending on your perspective, three, or third, depending on how you want to call him. Third, in the past tense, might be more appropriate. Alistair is present there as well, to some capacity. Well, how'd that argument end? It was still ongoing. So, Ash, Marius, are you here? I'm here, um... I thought I thought Ehrlich had stormed off to his room to like angrily drink. He may have after shouting. That was my understanding. He 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 ice blocked and just kind of ang- like made an exasperated noise and stormed off. All right, so cry. What would Sybil have done, gazing upon all of the animals looking at the ice orc? Sybil's still riled up from wanting to chop off, uh, hold on. Chop off Chukor's head. Yeah, what did Chukor do? Yeah, that didn't do anything. 
Besides ruin the bath, he obviously did that. And upset the Lorax and the trees. Oh, and we gotta deal with these trees. Yep. She'll probably need Marius back for. Come on, resurface. <laughs> Is Marius even there? Yeah. Maybe. We might be on speaker. We might be muted. <laughs> so as True Cork, as you begin to uh, feel some uh, feeling return to your limbs after the animals have begun to chew slash lick you free of your ice imprisonment, uh, what do you do? Uh, okay. So as True Cork emerges uh, from his uh, icy tomb <sighs> and uh Elric's already pissed off. And he's kind of the one that done that to me. And I can see number three bot. Hey, you're the one who dove in the way of the bullet to save the I didn't president. dove into the bullet. I merely kind of like walked in between you two. However, Chukork chooses to remember it. I, I don't. I don't even legitimately know if Ehrlich knows he froze True Court. His anger, probably not. I uh, I assume the role of one thirty seven, and I must go recharge. So I. So look, you begin climbing out of the boat. No, I look towards the the cove where the trees are, and I say. Well, who angered the trees? So I think back left on deck uh, would be usable. So you hear Chukorg make this declarative statement or question. Sybil says, where's my frying pan at this moment? It's probably down in the canteen. Considering you're the one that brought the vermin to the doorstep, why don't you deal with them? And Sybil uh, stumps off. I'm going to. Sybil took her lead downstairs to go get that frying pan. True Korg's just about had enough. He's gonna do something rash as he digs through his satchel. What are you looking for within your satchel? I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm reading what I got. Damn. It's like digging through a purse. I know. I'm trying to think. Chukork uh, draws out his wand of detect super secret doors. It's still okay. got, what, two charges left? Yeah. And begins to cast a curse upon the trees. Okay. Which is probably it's just gonna reveal some a door probably. But he does his traditional shaman dance on the deck of the ship. The and, uh trees sensing the magic part slightly, so now there's a, a slight opening and you can see the bigger spirit <laughs> just kinda of in the middle of it. So you've congratulations, you've opened the trees up a little bit. Oh nice. 
So I can just walk right through now. Yeah, right to the big one. Okay. I'd like to do that. So you're getting off the boat? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go talk to him. True Cork says to no one, because the deck is empty. Well, the goats acknowledge it. I know, I was talking to the animals. So True Cork climbs off the side of the ship and begins approaching the trees. Does Elric hear the splash from his cabin? <laughs> mm, he hears a splash, so he opens the um, window to his cabin and looks out. Chukorg is splashing through the water, continuing to be in his armor, or whatever that was from before. Chukorg, what are you doing? I've got to go recharge. I'm unit 137. You look like an idiot. If you go out there, they'll kill you. Oh, we've got... Was that his response? And he's getting Irv-nutted. Oh, okay. Irv has disconnected. Tonight's just going swimmingly. He has momentarily stumbled in his treading for the water. This... Gives Ehrlich time to collect his senses and reflect upon the prior few weeks. <laughs> Is Marius back? I said, I don't really know where to go from here. I guess step one is you could go after him to impede his progress or aid his progress. Step two is you could check for someone else on the ship to tell to go after him or deal with things. You may or may not be familiar with Nel Reese being able to ma- manipulate water, for example, and thus being able to do something about the Chukorg in the water. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's another option here. Ehrlich would That's another option. <laughs> But there's another option that solves the chew court situation. Ehrlich would lift his staff and point it at chew court's feet and attempt to freeze the water so that he can't continue to go blunder his way into a stupid situation. Excellent. <laughs> so heavy and laden down is Chukorg underneath his new armor that Freezing the water is a trivial act and freezing him into place just as easy. <laughs> now, Ehrlich would return to drinking. Let's uh, check in with Sybil then. Sybil's made her way down to the kitchen, collected said frying pan, and has started making uh, me a meal. All right. The smells waft up from the kitchen of a nice cooked meal. Uh, Chukorg, you are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Can you hear me? What I miss? Yes. 
Uh, you, <laughs> Mr. Ehrlich, you want to go ahead and explain it to Ash? Ehrlich would start to hear Chewcourt's dismissive, grunting answer and just with the most casual, frustrated disregard, he would throw out a hand with ice curling around his wrist as he did. And suddenly the water beneath Chewcourt would just become a block of ice, locking his armor in place and locking him there with it. <laughs> Can I still talk? Of course. <laughs> Chukork uh, yells. The 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 shutter to Ehrlich's room like clangs closed with an audible like. Come to me, my minions, and free me once again. Chukork bellows. Can this be a leadership can... role? <laughs> sure. Hold up, I gotta get back in the game. I want to see if the leadership of the animals comes into play, so yeah. Man, does, is that the... That's not the skill you use to boss animals around, is it? You actually I mean, might have a specific skill that's more useful for that, but... I don't think I do. I think leadership... What do I get? You call them minions. That That is a thing. It's you may have elevated them. It's three uh, yellow. I laid it out for you. Oh, oh, nice. I just checked it in the trash. The only thing it would be would be leadership or charm, maybe, I okay. think. What am I rolling against? Now, are you trying to get the animals to come to you, or are you trying to get the spirits to come to you? Uh, well, I was thinking the animals, but... Okay. Right, I well, feel like that should ultimately be dependent on the success of his role uh, for who actually uh, comes to aid him. If I gamble the red, could I get the spirits? Yep. <laughs> Would the spirits be able to get you out of ice? They don't have tongues. They have branches. We're we're going rolling big. That looks good, but I can't tell. One success, two advantages, so yeah. Oh damn. Your gamble may have paid off. <laughs> the trees begin to slowly move forward. You see some of the animals kind of bleeding over the side. None of the goats want to try to jump off the boat. It's too high. They know they'll, they'll hurt themselves. So, uh, But you see the trees slowly start to advance into the water with the big spirit kind of behind them. Uh, and you can you see one of the, the long roots of one of them, just of the trees, starts wrapping around the, the cube of ice that Ehrlich has kind of frozen into the water. And then Almost effortlessly, you, you you feel it tighten, and the ice just snaps, and you hear the clinking of the ice breaking into lots of pieces around you. Chukork uh, uh, brushes the ice off and says, hello. The trees kind of moan back and forth in the distance, and the big spirit just kind of continues to float and look down on you. All right. I wave back in the uh like that of the uh like uh, like an inflatable tube man from my whole body <laughs> to signify that uh, to signify that I'm I'm also one of the trees.
they continue to watch you with interest. So, what are uh, what are you all protecting here? Um, you see some of the treetops kind of shudder a bit, and then most of them, uh, one of them, kind of points with one of its branches towards the mine. Which mine? The mine behind them, or the mine? Towards where you two is right now. Oh. Ah, so Chuku looks back. What's back there? It just kind of rattles its branches together, like... <laughs> ah, they're not, uh, not very talkative, I see. Hmm. Elric! Chuku yells. Or, like, like, the noise makes him spill his wine off of his cup as he's trying to pour. All he right. kind of, like, ambles over to the window and, like, knocks it open, looking to where the ice block had been, and then up to Chew Court, just completely flabbergasted. How, how, did you, how did you get free? Oh, the trees did it. I need you to come talk to them for me. He he just okay. He 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 just he has nothing left to argue here. <laughs> Nobody thinks to ask the elf to speak to the trees. No, obviously a dwarf is the one. Ehrlich would take his time. He he would get his stick. He would get his dog. I can't believe I didn't think of that. What? Sibyl! yells. As I come up from below with food in my mouth, what? Come talk to the trees for me. Ehrlich's off to the side making a, a, an ice boat. What makes you think that I can talk to the trees? You pissed them off, you deal with them. I didn't piss them off, and you're an elf. Come talk to the trees. Sybil turns towards the trees, humbly bows, and says, I'm sorry, this idiot here that aggressed you, how may we unoffend you in any way that we have offended you? Uh, the trees kind of um, all look towards the main spirit. The main spirit kind of pushes up a little bit closer to Chukorg. And then you hear him kind of sub-vocally in a very deep baritone, Leave. Well, there you go, Erd. You got your answer. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. We'll leave. Uh, Chukorg. He, he wouldn't even take the opportunity to like ask him if, like, try to make a joke about leaves. <laughs> Damn it! You guys are quick. <laughs> uh, I'll leave. But uh, you got any uh, info on what's in that mine up there? Nothing that concerns you, Spirit Killer. Spirit dealer. 
What does that mean? It means you've offended them, so you need to keep your mouth shut. I'll have you know, my best friend is a spirit. You show awful interesting forms of friendship if you go around killing other spirits. I didn't kill a single one of them. No. Correct. So you say the trees lie. No, they're probably right. So you admit it. I'm not going to admit it either, but I'm not going to doubt them. It actually would be a good point for somebody to step in. Somebody with knowledge of spirits from reading a forbidden book by a certain family of rich people. Well, Ehrlich's got to make sure that his his ice boat is, you know, water water safe. And fancy. And dwarven. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall killing anyone, did we? We released them from their imprisonment. You have removed the spirit from its construct. You have damaged another. Your boat brings death and destruction. Ehrlich would, would come puttering over about this time using a, a wood stave to kind of paddle through the water. Chukork says, shit, he's got me there. The spirit constructs bind them here. They all successfully return to their home plane. The death is false. So, you simply wish to break the orders of Master Alistair? No, we are here with your Master Alistair. His orders were complete and clear. That is all well and good. However, if you are so concerned about your fellow compatriots, then you must understand that we also, with your Master Alistair, have objectives we need to perform here. What objectives you have or have not affect me none. My orders are clear. It affects you as much as you have concern about your fellow spiritual entities. Is this not true? If you leave, then no further action need be taken. You're hedging. It's foolish to hedge. Which do you have greater concern for? Your, 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 your compatriots that you've been here for some untold amount of time with, or for this, this, the orders of someone who can't even remember what they told you. My oath, and he gets very intense, is uh, the key of my binding and will not be broken. You're protecting an individual. I did make an oath, though. Regardless of what my orders are, they are my orders, 
They have been sworn to my binding. He was given orders, Elric. Yeah, yes, th- thank you, True Court. He's got a point, Elric. If only Alistair was here. <laughs> Damn. Should we wait on him? Oh, kind of at an impasse. I mean, like, Ehrlich doesn't exactly want to start mowing these people down. Yeah, I don't want to piss the trees off. You're making a pretty good point. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing we can really do about it. <laughs> we could be the bad guys like we usually do. Yeah, I'm, We are the bad guys here. At this <laughs> point, I'm like, I have, I have struck out on attempting to convince people to stop being stupid. What? He's following orders. You can't fault him for that. Well, you could always ask for the details of his oath. We've tried that like three times, and the answer is we will lie to you. And yeah, we're, no, we're shit bags. Well, Don't trust. There us. is a distinction here. This guy is not bound in the same fashion, or may not be bound in the same fashion. He's clearly not one of these spirit constructs constructed by the ye olde original douche waffles. They're in league with the robots, though, so they're obviously Alistair's pawns. Yeah, but with spirit minions, it could be any number of anything. You could have, like, a spirit that just simply inhabits, like, a single candlestick be in league with you. Yeah, Irv, this is the difference between, like, one of the nameless henchmen and one of the henchmen played by a character actor that actually has, like, two lines of dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, the famous guy from all those kung fu movies. That henchman, the one who henched the most. Okay, er- Ehrlich would do that then. He he would kind of like, he, he's flustered and annoyed as flustered and annoyed as a dwarf can be. C- can you at least provide us with some some insight as, as to what your orders are? You You seem to have at least some cognitive ability. Can you can you use it? Give me a roll, please. Social of your choice. I'm gonna go with coercion. By the power of disgruntled old mad waving stick. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's two purples and a red, because there's an element of high risk here. It it always ends well when Ehrlich has to do social roles. (laughs) Hey, we got out of negotiations roughly unfazed. Hey, one failure and one threat. Uh, It looks slightly swayed for just a moment and you think it's going to give in to you and then you see it draw a Zufakar out of its side. It's a long uh, circular formed sword, uh, very scimitar-esque and it lights on fire along all the edges of it and he says my orders are my own and he's going to charge forward. 
Well, good job, Elric. What a perfect time to cut away when Marius is not here so that he can come back and tank when he is here. And thus, we switch over to Trick. <laughs> What's going on with you, Turu? Oh, do you want to wait till the one shows up? He is legitimately sitting there and waiting. He engages in minor small talk about the interesting color of the sky and about the rocks, about whether the peak should really have snow on them or not, and other such peculiarities of dimensional perspective. He doesn't expect him to grasp things on the same level, but this is the equivalent of somebody like nerding out to someone who has no idea what they're talking about. Yep, makes sense. So he's really just tried to keep them not quite like back to their same previous pattern of thought, but to keep them caught on the perspective that there is something new and different. A new perspective. A voice that's not like their own. Vaguely like it. After a few minutes of discussion, aimless discussion, of somewhat interest, um, you see a green spirit begin to emerge from the depths of the mine with the fourth guard. It is bigger and bulkier looking than the others, um, but not by much. It's probably probably about six and a half feet tall, and it kind of wanders up to the surface and then waits and kind of acknowledges you and waits for your introduction. True. Sizes him up and nods back. A little surprised that that his like eight feet of life, he is somehow bigger than everything here. I am the one that you would call Zero. I am the prototype. And I have come here to inspect, observe, and to act upon the orders of those that have asked me to come here. Subvocally, it reaches out, and it's, it's almost um, sing-songy in its voice. And whose orders are on which, or on whose orders are you the observer? That is a challenging part of this, yes? For I am on the orders of two not one, but the paths are aligned, and the concepts are aligned, and in this time, the purposes are aligned. I consider these orders singular, yes? And who are these two orders from? The first, and more recent, is from Alistair himself, your lord, yes? It inclines its head. Teru inclines his head return. The second, the older, is from the one. One of the old ones. The original spirits of who drew power and gained power, yes? And which one of those is it? The storyteller, of course. May her name never be spoken aloud. Hmm. And you can see it kind of rocks back and forth on its uh, base a bit as it considers. You are free to observe anywhere outside of the mine. 
but the mine has specific significant interest to Lord Alistair. If charging is required, a port will be made available for you outside the mine. Tyr shakes his head. My orders were to investigate within the mine to make sure everything is assured. Hmm. Yes, but as there may at some point be a conflict of interest between your original orders, your most recent orders, and the orders that were given to us, I cannot permit you entry. You understand the possible conundrums that you may face, do you not? I understand the possibilities, yes. But I also understand that the orders you have been given by Lord Alistair may be of logical fault. I would like to explore this with you and confirm before we press onwards and before I report back to him, yes? You may ask your question. There may be multiple, but I will start with the most pertinent one. Are you aware that you have been given orders that are self-consuming, that cannot be resolved and cannot be expanded upon? You have been placed into a dead end, yes? We are aware. And this is of concern. You cannot continue to serve if you are stuck. The needs of Lord Alistair will shift, and if you cannot address those needs, how can you serve? I understand the logical fallacy you are attempting to portray. However, our service and that in which we protect for Lord Alistair will not change. But if Lord Alistair requires it to change, if it is necessary to the survival of Lord Alistair. Then he himself will find a way to break his order. And if it is through violence? Hmm. He has asked us to prepare for such an occasion. Terry nods. It is unfortunate, but I understand. The storyteller had originally asked me to maximize the mortal lives. They understand these primal orders and the difficulty of working with them, yes? Indeed. And let us turn to a topic that you may be more free about, perhaps. Tiru will twist about and gesture back towards the church on the other side of the mountain. In that direction, there is a church and there is a thing inside of it. It is not part of that which Lord Alistair wishes you to defend, yes? Hmm. It is one of the many and he kind of tilts his head to the side for a moment. Possible rebuffs if someone of great power were to come and attempt to break Lord Alistair's will. Itiru nods. But it is not bound by the oaths, yes? That is correct. 
then is it proper to have it here to begin with? It is well-fed and maintained of its own free will. But is that will coherent enough to be taken as the will of itself, or is it too animalistic? It is easy to abuse a creature with basic needs. Indeed, it is of bestial, more bestial than many of our brethren, and we would be take good care to make sure that it is not abused, but in the event at all is considered lost, it would be released to carry out the will of Master Alistair when we can no longer do so. And as it has never been given the same oath as you, can it really be relied upon to give the same will, or would it be instead in defiance of Lord Alistair's will, for he had never ordered it? It is... What is the word the humans use? The dead man's switch. The final act... And whether it chooses to act in our favor or not, we believe it will carry out Master Alistair's will one way or the other. Hmm. I question this. But at the same time, it is not for us to decide, it is us for us to witness, yes? Yes, we have had to make several choices based on Master Alistair's orders that may or may not be exactly what was intended, but in order to carry out his orders to the letter, they must be accomplished. I see. And so, I suppose I shall conclude this line of questioning before we perhaps part ways for the last time in amiable terms for some time. Yatira <laughs> gives a small chuckle at that, considering the time scales of spirits and the conflicts between them. Or continuing onwards. So I would ask this. As the first, why do you not remember me? Hmm. It is a question which I am asking myself very thoroughly right this moment. I find it disturbing, but it is a question that I will have to find answered on my own, I suppose. If things do not go well between us here, and we part ways to meet again, I would like us to meet not as enemies, then. And perhaps I will be able to explain these things, and Bring more of your past to you, yes? Perhaps. Perhaps. Material will give a bow and then depart. Actually, wait, right. no, wait. He, he twists about with one more thought. Is it permittable for me to explore the village first? Before returning. It is not part of the mind and not part of the mandate. Yes. You are free to travel through as a servant of Master Alistair. Tira vows again. May we someday meet in better terms. 
he inclines and begins to slowly descend back into the mine, backing backing down in. And with that, Yatira will depart to go exploring and looting the village during the time between sessions, apparently. So, woo, or at least combat, or at least he'll start that way until he reaches a certain point by the church, and he has clear line of sight once more of the shoreline. So Would woman. fate have him see the sword ignite at that moment? <laughs> Someone had to piss the trees off. Yeah, who was that? I wouldn't have the slightest clue. Doesn't answer my question, though. <laughs>